From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Markets react as the turmoil in China eases. Fed officials stress more rate hikes are on the way. The Biden administration asked Congress to force a rail deal despite union objections. And Elon Musk has a public spat with Twitter's top advertiser, Apple. The NYPD busts a multi-million dollar operation of counterfeit goods, plus a Senate bill protecting same-sex marriage is set to pass today. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. The Red Hot Devils beat the Rangers. Nets beat the Magic in its winner go home for the U.S. today at the World Cup. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, on Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. stock index futures are on the rise this morning. We're coming up to 601 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 10 points. Dow futures, little change. NASDAQ futures up 55. The DAX in Germany is little changed as well. The 10-year Treasury up 8.30 seconds, yield 3.64%. And the yield on the two-year, 4.42%. Nathan. Karen, we'll get back to markets in a minute, but first we want to update you on the unrest in China. Health officials have held their first briefing since protests over COVID restrictions began last week. Bloomberg's Rebecca Chung-Wilkins has the latest from Hong Kong. We saw quite muted, uh, if any, activity overnight. Um, We saw very heavy police presence in a lot of major Chinese cities like Beijing and Shanghai. Um, And in in part, that did lead lead to quite a reduced effort. Um, The briefing, quite frankly, Sevar has steered away from really overtly talking about the protests. But there did seem to be a somewhat sort of softening in tone from authorities, acknowledging that some of the implementation of COVID controls has been relatively strict. Bloomberg's Rebecca Chung-Wilkins reports China plans to speed up vaccinations for the elderly, but it's stopping short of enacting mandates. Well, Nathan, stocks in Asia surged as unrest over COVID curbs eased. Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index rallied more than 5%, while stocks in China gained 3%. We get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. Shares rallied in Hong Kong and on the mainland as some investors speculated that the protests may hasten a shift away from COVID zero policies. Traders also took heart from the lifting of China's multi-year ban on share sales by builders. China's 10-year government bond yield advanced to its highest level in a year as support measures announced for the property sector dented hopes of further monetary policy easing. And the Japanese yen rose, as did an index of emerging market currencies. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Juliet. Let's take 
take a look at U.S.-China relations now, where the response to Beijing's crackdown on protests so far has been muted. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The U.S. has spoken very strongly in the past about human rights, and now National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says a watchful eye here. We're watching this closely, as you might expect we would. And again, we continue to stand up and support the right of peaceful protest. Um, And I think we're going to watch this closely, and, and we'll see where things go. Kirby says the Biden administration does not expect the protests to affect the supply chain or global economy. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thanks. Meantime, President Biden and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi are moving to prevent a shutdown of the U.S. freight railroad systems. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. President Biden asked Congress to intervene to block a strike. The House is preparing to take up a bill to impose a labor settlement despite some unions' objections. Pelosi says they're making the move reluctantly, but they have to avoid what she calls a catastrophic nationwide strike, which could hurt the economy by crippling supply chains. A coalition a coalition of more than 400 business groups sent a letter to congressional leaders urging them to step in. The strike deadline is December 9th. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Amy. Another major impact on the economy in recent months has been higher interest rates. And now Fed officials are stressing the central bank is not done hiking. Here's New York Fed President John Williams. Further tightening monetary policy should help restore balance between demand and supply and bring inflation back to 2% over the next few years. It will take some time, but I'm fully confident that we'll return to a sustained period of price stability. New York Fed President John Williams spoke at a virtual event hosted by the Economic Club of New York. At the same time, St. Louis Fed President James Bullard says financial markets are underestimating the chance of more aggressive policy next year. They're counting the first 250 basis points as if that was a tightening of monetary policy, but really that's just getting up to the long-run neutral level of the policy rate. We've only recently moved into restrictive territory, and we're going to have to move farther in order to keep inflation under control. St. Louis Fed President Jim Bullard and other officials have signaled they plan to raise rates by 50 basis points next month. Well, Nathan, there are more signs this morning the aggressive Fed tightening could lead to a recession. The gauge of global bonds measuring the worldwide yield curve has inverted for the first time in at least two decades. The inversion of the yield curve is typically seen as a prediction for a recession as investors switch money to longer-term bonds due to pessimism over the short-term outlook. Well, let's turn to crypto now, Karen. The fallout from FTX continues. BlockFi is the latest crypto firm to collapse. The digital asset lender says it'll use Chapter 11 to recover everything it's owed by counterparties, including FTX. But BlockFi acknowledges recoveries are likely to be delayed by the bankruptcy of FTX. And Elon Musk is in the spotlight again this morning, Nathan. The billionaire is publicly attacking Apple, which is one of Twitter's top advertisers. Musk said Apple has cut its Twitter advertising and threatened to block the social network from its app store. Kurt Wagner has more from our Bloomberg 960 newsroom in San Francisco. The App Store is is probably um, the main way or one of the main ways that most of its users get the app, get app updates. So, you know, for example, I believe the app would still work on my phone, but in order to, you know, get an updated version, I have an iPhone, I might have to, you know, figure out a way to download that from the web. It's the kind of thing that's going to erode over time and cause a lot of people to either stop using Twitter or, or you know, uh, possibly have to move to a different device. And so that's a huge issue. And one of the reasons I tweeted that I think Twitter needs Apple a lot more than Apple mm. needs Twitter here. And that's because Apple has the distribution at its at its fingertips. 
Bloomberg Technology reporter Kurt Wagner says Elon Musk is firing back at Apple, asking whether it hates free speech. Well, futures are higher, but giving back some of their gains, Karen. S&P futures are up seven points. Dow futures now little changed. NASDAQ futures are higher by 45 points. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. 607 on Wall Street, 37 degrees in Central Park. Still got that closure. Westbound Cross Bronx, Jerome Avenue to the Deegan. Michael Barr's here with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. The NYPD made a big bus stopping a counterfeit goods operation. Police seized over $10 million in knockoff merchandise from vendors on Canal Street. During a news conference, officials said authorities had gotten several complaints in lower Manhattan about the fake purses, sneakers, and other items being sold on the streets. NYPD Chief of Patrol Jeffrey Madre spoke to ABC7. Sidewalks were blocked. There was property everywhere, merchandise everywhere. And this really impacts local businesses in a negative manner. Chief Madre says 17 people were arrested and three truckloads of counterfeit items were seized. Five New Haven, Connecticut police officers were charged yesterday in a June incident that left a 36-year-old man paralyzed. Prosecutors say Randy Cox was handcuffed and not wearing a seatbelt when he flew headfirst into the back of a police transport van when the driver suddenly stopped. New Haven Mayor Justin Elliker. The city of New Haven is committed to accountability for all individuals involved in this tragic incident. Mayor Elliker says the officers were charged with reckless endangerment and cruelty. Meanwhile, Cox's family has filed a $100 million civil suit against the officers and the city. A Senate bill protecting same-sex marriage cleared another procedural hurdle last night. An amendment to the Respect for Marriage Act would ensure it does not infringe on religious rights and protections. Passage of the legislation is expected today. Former Vice President Mike Pence said Donald Trump showed poor judgment for dining last week at his Mar-a-Lago resort with rapper Ye and well-known white nationalist Nick Fuentes. Pence says his former boss should denounce their hateful rhetoric without qualification. President Trump was wrong uh, uh, to give uh, a white nationalist, uh, um, an anti-Semite, and a Holocaust denier a seat at the table. And uh, I think he should apologize. Pence spoke to News Nation. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts to more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. 609 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. All right, Nathan. First meeting of the season between the Devils and Rangers who were in the NHL's Final Four last season. Devils have not even been to the playoffs since 2018, but no doubt who the better team has been so far this season. Devils are 19-4. and They've won 16-17. of They won 5-3 at the Garden, coming back from an early 2-0 deficit. At Barclays, 45 points for Kevin Durant. Missed only five shots. Nets beat Orlando 109-102 to get to 500. Kyrie Irving added 20. Ben Simmons, who's finally been starting to play like he did with Philadelphia, hurt his knees day to day. Kemba Walker, the New York native whose homecomings with the Knicks last season did not go well, has signed with Dallas. The Mavs hoping he can fill the role Jalen Brunson had with them last season. Brunson now, of course, with the Knicks. Yankee offseason goal, try and get better than Houston, but the Astros, who took the Yankees out and won the World Series just signed a free agent slugger, Jose Abreu, who spent nine years with the White Sox. He was the AL MVP just a couple of years ago. Monday Night Football, Pittsburgh won 
at Indianapolis, 24-17. The U.S. World Cup team played well in gaining that scoreless draw with England, but in reality, their situation would likely be the same as it is now had they lost that game. Beat Iran today, advance, lose, or have a third straight tie, and they are leaving Qatar, the U.S. coach is Greg Berhalter. Make no mistake about it, this is a knockout game for both teams. So it's going to be a high-level intensity. Um, you know, I love what Iran's done um, so far, especially the last game. A lot of commitment, um, really good counterattacking. And, um, you know, we expect it to be a, a hotly contested game, and, and we'll be ready for it. Game starts today, 2 o'clock. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. All right, John, thank you. Right now, S&P futures are still higher, but by just six points. Dow futures have moved just a little bit lower, down six points. They've been moving between gains and losses this morning. NASDAQ futures still on the rise, but uh, not as high as they've been in the session, higher by 40 points right now. Ten-year Treasury is up 6.30 seconds, the yield 3.65%. Yield on the two-year close to 4.43%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg Sports is brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. stock index futures are pointing to a moderately stronger open as speculation mounts that unrest in Chinese cities over COVID restrictions would force authorities to move faster in loosening the curbs. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures up seven points this morning. Dow futures are little changed, and NASDAQ futures up 45. The DAX in Germany is up a tenth of a percent now. Ten-year Treasury up 6.30 seconds, yield 3.65 percent. They yield on the two-year 4.42 percent. Nine-X crude oil on the rise, up about two and a half percent, up a dollar ninety-nine at seventy-nine dollars twenty-three cents a barrel. Comex gold up three quarters of a percent, or thirteen dollars forty cents at seventeen sixty-eight seventy an ounce. The euro one point zero three seven. Two against the dollar. British pound 1.2 and the yen is at 138.04. And Bitcoin this morning up 1.9%. It's at just over $16,500. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Chinese universities are sending students home as the ruling Communist Party tightens antivirus controls and tries to prevent more protests. Crowds angered by its severe zero-COVID restrictions have called for President Xi Jinping to resign. More on the story in a minute. President Biden is asking Congress to intervene and block a railroad strike before next month's deadline. At the World Cup later today, the U.S. faces Iran. In the NFL, the Steelers beat the Colts. In the NBA, the Nets, Wizards, and Celtics won. In the NHL, the Devils beat the Rangers. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. All right, Michael. Thanks. 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak, and as promised, we do have more on the situation in China. Live from Hong Kong, we go to Bloomberg political correspondent Rebecca Chung Wilkins. Rebecca, good morning. The uh, reporting from uh, what we understand is that we've seen a uh, somewhat dampening of the protests that have been going on for days and a bit more conciliatory tone from the Chinese government. What more can you tell us about what's happening there? 
Yes, we saw really significant police presence in many of the major Chinese cities last night. Um, we're expecting that to, again to be here present uh, tonight. Um, so cities like Beijing, Shanghai, uh, Hangzhou will likely have that significant police presence, so dampening and muting some of the activity that we've seen. On the other hand, we are also hearing from the health authorities this sort of conciliatory and more reasonable tone. And I think we haven't seen any sort of acknowledgement so far of the protest, but we did hear authorities say that local governments do need to treat reasonable requests around COVID in a timely manner. And it's really the closest that we've seen to some kind of attempt to recognize what so many Chinese people are deeply frustrated about. So it's a recognition. Can it be seen as a move away or at least a tentative move away from the strict COVID zero policies that sort of sparked these massive protests? Well, one big positive sign, I think, on that front is this push to get China's elderly population vaccinated. That, although overall vaccination levels are relatively high in China, that's a real weak spot. So only about 40% of China's population over 80 have had a booster vaccine, for example. Um, and most experts think there's no way that China can start to reopen unless they tackle this problem. So that is providing quite a lot of optimism in the markets that you mentioned today. Um, the other thing is that we've heard this phrase repeated again and again since the protest began, and that is that China is constantly adjusting its COVID protocols. That just allows this narrative to crack the door open, even when we start to see more concrete moves by local government. Um, again, they will be able to sort of frame it under that narrative. But it is important to remember that while central government is sort of directing the, 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 the sort of big line here, ultimately it's local governments that are going to have to really reinforce and decide just what risks they're willing to take, particularly for each province's healthcare system. Healthcare is very, very sort of differently administered um, and differently with different effects uh, across China. Other than the uh, push to get more elderly uh, population vaccinated, what other uh, concessions are we hearing from the Chinese government? Well, those are the two big things. This problem to promise to respond timely in a timely way to, to requests as well as that vaccine push. Um, there is also a movement to sort of potentially moderate uh, and follow these 20 principles uh, for COVID management, which authorities laid out about a couple of weeks ago, just before uh, just before we started these protests started to emerge. Um, it really remains to be seen whether or not governments actually take that up. Um, Zhejiang province also, um, and we, this is, again, just one province in China, but also saying that the most important thing here is not controlling the virus, but placing people first. Now, that's quite a different message than we've heard elsewhere. Of course, all this is coming just a few weeks after Chinese President Xi Jinping solidified his unprecedented third term. What kind of a risk is the, or are these protests putting on President Xi's leadership here? Yes, indeed. I mean, there was immense worry back then that as she sort of moved to fill all those top positions in his party with allies, that there wouldn't be anyone to guide him or give pushback when something went wrong. And I think there is, again, that concern now. You know, who are the sort of diverse voices that are offering alternate points of view here? Um, it is a really critical point for his leadership, although, of course, no one really expects there to be any real existential threat to the party or to see at this moment. But it certainly is the most vocal. 
Protests aren't that rare in China. They do happen, but it's very rare to see them directly criticizing Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party in this way. And, of course, if this sort of speaks to this broader uh, malaise and this broader discontent after two years of not just very strict COVID controls, but real sort of drag on the economy that's been uh, added to by some of those property policies and the property crackdown that we've seen, too. Thanks, as always, for keeping us updated on what's happening. And we'll be checking back in with you uh, in the days to come here as well. That's Bloomberg political correspondent Rebecca Chung Wilkins joining us live this morning from Hong Kong as we're seeing a little bit more calm uh, following the days of protests over strict COVID restrictions. And again, uh, a little bit more of a conciliatory tone. Some concessions we're hearing from Chinese health authorities uh, as the unrest continues to play out. Looking ahead to the market open this morning on Wall Street. Still in the green, but we'll call it light green with S&P futures up eight points. Dow futures up six. That's a little change. NASDAQ futures are higher by 50 points. Ten-year treasuries moving higher by 7.30 seconds. The yield now down to 3.65% on the benchmark. Ten-year note, the yield on the two-year, 4.42%. And you're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine today, upper 40s. We'll have rain tomorrow and a breeze, milder, upper 50s for highs. We'll be back in the mid-40s, sunny and breezy for Thursday. Right now, 37 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And we're just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things that you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. IBKR Event Trader offers a new way to trade futures. Use event contracts to trade your opinion on yes or no questions in key CME futures markets. Learn more at eventtrader.interactivebrokers.com. Up first, officials in China say they're looking to speed up COVID vaccinations for senior citizens. But they're stopping short of mandates. It comes on the heels of protests to China's strict COVID policies. Craig Singleton, a senior China fellow at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies, says President Xi Jinping might not have many options for easing restrictions. I suspect going forward, the big problem is going to be that the CCP has not articulated a clear path out of zero COVID. And Xi Jinping has so closely staked his legacy on the notion that China's pandemic response has been better than the West. That narrative would be really damaged if China lifted these controls. Craig Singleton with the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies was a guest on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the show weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. In the meantime, Karen, the U.S. is taking note of China's response to the protest. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby talked about it yesterday. People should be allowed the right to assemble and to peacefully protest policies or laws or dictates that they take issue with. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says the White House does not expect the protests to affect supply chains. All the while, Nathan, stocks in Asia surge with the unrest over COVID curbs easing. Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index rallied more than 5 percent, while stocks in China gained 3 percent. U.S. futures rose and European stocks also opened higher. Taking a look at the broader economy, Karen, Fed officials are stressing more rate hikes are on the way to curb inflation. 
inflation. New York Fed President John Williams says it'll take some time to get to price stability. And St. Louis President James Bullard says markets should expect aggressive tightening into next year. We've only recently moved into restrictive territory, and we're going to have to move farther in order to keep uh, inflation under control. St. Louis Fed President Jim Bullard and other officials have signaled they plan to raise rates by 50 basis points next month. And in politics today, Nathan, President Biden and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi are moving to prevent a shutdown of the nation's freight railroads. The White House is asking Congress to intervene, and the House is preparing to take up a bill that would impose a labor settlement. That's the five things that you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. And futures this morning are on the rise. There is this headline crossing the Bloomberg, HSBC to sell its Canada unit to Royal Bank of Canada. S&P futures, meanwhile, up 11 points this morning. Dow futures now up 28, and NASDAQ futures of 56. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Okay, thanks, Karen. 633 on Wall Street, 36 degrees in Central Park. The westbound Cross Bronx Expressway may be a no-go this morning. There's still an accident investigation at Jerome Avenue. Michael Barr has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Nathan. New York City police busted a massive counterfeit operation last night, hauling away $10 million worth of bogus merchandise and arresting 17 people. One bystander witnessed the sudden takedown. All you saw was... NYPD jumping out. Unmarked cars, marked cars, paddy wagons. They got, they cleared the whole thing from here to here. And these guys are usually set up all night. Rolex watches, everything you can imagine. East St. Laurent, all of this stuff. In planning the raid, police worked with luxury goods manufacturers who examined the merchandise in advance to certify it was counterfeit. NYPD Chief of Patrol Jeffrey Madre. He or she will look at the property and say, this is, this is not authentic. This is a knockoff bag. This is a fake pair of sneakers. Chief Madre says those arrested are now facing felony offenses. A white supremacist will spend the rest of his life in prison for killing 10 black shoppers and workers in a Buffalo grocery store last May. 19-year-old Peyton Gendron pleaded guilty to several charges, including hate-motivated domestic terrorism charges, which carry an automatic sentence of life without parole. Garnell Whitfield's mother was shot and killed in the supermarket. Whitfield is calling on lawmakers to act. I want them to uh, call out white supremacy. I want them to uh, treat it like the cancer that it is. Garnell Whitfield, who watched the court proceedings, says Gendron had no emotion. A Senate bill protecting same-sex marriage cleared another procedural hurdle last night with the passage of the legislation expected today. The Respect for Marriage Act would federally recognize same-sex marriages and ensure benefits for all married couples. Former Vice President Mike Pence said Donald Trump should apologize for dining last week with rapper Ye and well-known white nationalist Nick Fuentes, saying his former boss showed profoundly poor judgment. Pence added, I don't believe Donald Trump is an anti-Semite. I don't believe he's a racist or a bigot. I would not have been his vice president if he was. Pence spoke with News Nation. The MTA may have to raise fares to reduce service on subways, buses, and commuter trains because the agency's current financial plans are insufficient to close long-term budget gaps. According to New York State Comptroller Thomas Tinopoli, it is unclear how the MTA will avoid these outcomes unless it lays out additional options. The report comes ahead of a proposed 2023 budget the MTA is expected to release this week. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nick. Thanks, Michael. 
636 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi with John Stanshower. All right, Nathan, the Rangers got their first up-close look at the Devils, who began the season 0-2 but are 19-2 since. They began last night down 2-0. Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad with Ranger goals in the first three minutes. For the Devils with two in the first period, two more in the second. Empty net at the end. They won 5-3 at the guard. And the Nets, after the slow start, have clawed back to 500. They beat Orlando at Barclays 109-102. Kevin Durant was superb. 45 points. He shot 19 of 24. Nets lost Ben Simmons to a knee injury day-to-day. Kemba Walker, who spent last season with the Knicks, has signed with Dallas and a baseball free agent signing Jose Abreu with the world champion Houston Astros. Monday Night Football, a couple of subpar AFC teams. Pittsburgh won at Indianapolis 24-17. Jets coach Robert Sala confirmed the obvious. Mike White will start Sunday at Minnesota, but Sala said his quarterback situation is week-to-week, and the intent is still to get Zach Wilson ready to play. Tiger Woods is going to play in the Bahamas this weekend. He's got a foot injury, had to pull out. U.S. World Cup team tied England. England beat Iran easily 6-2, but Iran beat Wales who the U.S. could not beat. U.S. and Iran today, and the American captain is midfielder Tyler Adams. It's going to be a tough battle. You know, we're going to have to have a lot of energy in this game and make sure that we're mentally prepared, pay attention to all the details in the game, set pieces, um, and their midfield is, is quite impressive. You know, a very technical midfield, and, you know, for me, it's always difficult to play against a technical midfield when they can control the ball and control the game. So, um, you know, we're going to have to do our homework on on, on, them, on the games that they played previously. Right, U.S. victory today. It's on to the knockout round. A loss or a tie, and they're going home. Also today, it is England against Wales. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Be an exciting day for World Cup fans. Thank you, John. We're coming up to 638 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks. Some of the names moving in the pre-market with Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta. It's been pretty light on the uh, futures contracts, but boy, did Chinese stocks surge on that just slight move away from COVID zero, Kriti. I A complete turnaround story, and, and yeah. it, it is wild what you're seeing in these Chinese ADRs. For example, we love to look at the poster child here. Alibaba is our go-to for all things China in terms of how the American um, trading base is perhaps viewing those Chinese ADR. So BABA is your ticker there. Shares are up about 6% in the pre-market. And to your point, Nathan, it does come with a, a, a I don't quite know. A plethora of news is what we'll call it. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to find the right word there. But there's a couple of things here. They said that Chinese officials vowed to speed up COVID shots for the elderly. This was a major issue. The idea that uh, a lot of Chinese citizens over the age of 80, the vaccination rate was something like 40%. It's something that is significantly low relative to the rest of the world. I think relative to China, I think by comparison, the United States is something like 70 or 80 percent, for especially for the elderly population in the way that they've tackled the distribution of the COVID vaccine. So that's something that's very unique to China. So keep an eye on that. They also said that they're going to avoid excessive restrictions. Remember, that was really the issue that was fueling a lot of these protests. The idea there was a fire in a high rise building in one of their regions that basically meant that in that fire, a lot of people couldn't escape and they couldn't be rescued because of the COVID restrictions. So that is what kind of was the um the spark uh, for a lot of these protests among just general frustration. So to see that really be addressed is a game changer for a lot of these Chinese ADRs. Now, there is some skepticism, of course, coming to uh, all these developments, but the idea that a new round of uh, perhaps easing could be underway um, and perhaps mm-hmm. kind of build pressure for reopening is fueling the likes of Alibaba, also fueling the likes of JD.com, for example. So JD is the ticker there. Shares up about 8% for that stock. 
All right, our last minute here, Critty. What are you looking at in terms of domestic shares? Yeah, this is the rapid fire round, if you will. Here we a couple go. of analyst recommendations you got to look at. Roku's one, ROKU, shares are down about 2.4% the pre market. Stock downgraded to sector weight from overweight over at KeyBank. They're saying the consensus for 2023 and 2024 looks, quote, too optimistic. I want someone to say that about me, too optimistic. <laughs> Microsoft, MSFT is the other one you want to keep an eye on. Shares are actually up, well, about two tenths of 1%, up about five tenths of 1% earlier. Morgan Stanley saying that it has confidence in the software firm's commercial businesses, sending a strong and durable demand signal. When it comes to you, we can never be too optimistic <laughs> about Bloomberg Radio and TV. Markets correspondent, Kriti Gupta, stand on top of the pre-market action for us this morning. Stocks as a whole, just a touch higher after the surge overseas. we got S&P futures up 9 points, Dow futures up 11, NASDAQ futures up 50 points. Ten-year treasuries up 6.30 seconds, yield 3.65%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And Bloomberg Sports was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Futures are on the rise this morning. We are to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. And here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. A modest bounce in the futures after yesterday's sell-off with Dow futures up nine points. S&P's gain eight and NASDAQ futures are higher by 50. The U.S. 10-year yield at 3.66%. Gold is up 14. Oil is climbing. And Bitcoin is trading higher by 1.9%. Hong Kong jumped 5.2% overnight, while European markets are trading mixed this morning. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 9 o'clock, the House Price Index, and at 10 o'clock, Consumer Confidence. In other news, Morgan Stanley said the S&P 500 may drop as much as 15% by March as the Fed unwinds its balance sheet. And Adobe said that Cyber Monday was set to break records with a projected $11.6 billion in online spending. Wrapping things up over at Deutsche Bank, Canadian Pacific was raised to buy, and UPS was also raised to buy. Live from the First of Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you. To hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg-type squawk on your terminal, S-Q-U-A-W-K. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Congress is being called to stop a looming national railroad strike as President Biden urges lawmakers to act. Biden says while he's pro-labor, the economic impact of a shutdown would hurt millions of other working people and families. NATO chief Jens Stoltenberg accused Russian President Vladimir Putin of using winter as a weapon. Ukraine's leader warned that the Kremlin is preparing new strikes to inflict more damage on the energy system. At the World Cup later today, the U.S. faces Iran. In the NBA, the Nets, Wizards, and Celtics won. NHL, the Devils beat the Rangers. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. All right, Michael. Thanks. It's 649 on Wall Street. Let's turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, ranked to top 100 national university by U.S. News and World Report and the number one public university in New Jersey by Forbes. What will you make at NJIT? Learn more at NJIT.edu. Now, here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering and math. 
BlockFi has become the latest crypto firm to collapse in the wake of the downfall of FTX. The digital asset lender says it will use the Chapter 11 process to recover everything it's owed by counterparties, including FTX. But BlockFi acknowledges that those recoveries are likely to be delayed by FTX's own bankruptcy. Car makers are opting to shutter their plants in China as COVID restrictions make it nearly impossible to secure some components. Volkswagen says a component shortage was the main reason behind its decision to halt production at a joint venture plant it has with China FAW Group in Chengdu, as well as a two of five production lines at its factory in Changchun. And Amazon's cloud computing units rolling out new chips designed to power the highest end of computing, supporting tasks such as weather forecasting and gene sequencing. Amazon Web Services, the largest owner of over-the-internet computing, says it'll let customers rent computing power that relies on a new version of its Graviton chips. That newest chip is the latest piece of Amazon's effort to build more of the hardware that fills the massive data centers that power AWS. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, where it's now 6.50 on Wall Street. Now it's time to check what's going on in D.C., where some of the top stories include a muted response from the Biden administration to the protest in China. President Biden asking Congress to force a rail deal despite union protests. Former Vice President Pence telling his former boss to apologize after dining with a white nationalist. And the same-sex marriage bill uh, set to pass the Senate later today. Let's bring in Joe Matthew to get more on some of these stories. Our Washington correspondent, host of Sound On on Bloomberg Radio. So, uh, Joe, what is the response in Washington to these uh, ongoing protests in China? You know, Nathan, the, the headline on Sound On last night was proceed with caution. Because mm. that's exactly what John Kirby was doing at the podium. He was part of the briefing at the White House Yesterday and took any number of questions about the protests, China's COVID policy and a lot of related issues, responding with the refrain, people should be allowed the right to assemble and to peacefully protest. He said it again and again. Like, what about this? Well, we do we do support the right to peacefully protest. At one point, he was even asked about using so much caution and why the U.S. was not taking the opportunity to assert itself as a democracy. Kirby basically said, I am asserting myself. So. It's clear there are concerns here in the wake of President Biden's meeting with President Xi at the G20 in Indonesia. That was, what, just two weeks ago? Concerns about undoing progress. But even worse, Nathan, the, to, to give the impression somehow that the U.S. is encouraging or, or helping to plan these protests, they want this to resolve on its own. You have to wonder, though, Joe, uh, whether this could lead to more pressure on the Biden administration when you have Congress getting back to work. And obviously, Mm -hmm. a lot of lawmakers don't have that same kind of diplomatic dance that the president has to uh, continue to maneuver here after that meeting with Xi Jinping. There are a lot of China hawks on Capitol Hill. It's one of the the real bipartisan issues in Washington to put some hate on China here. And, And you're right. And I would expect a lot of messaging on that from lawmakers. There's not likely a lot they can do, though, without really changing the rules, uh, for instance, of companies doing business in China. That's that's the concern as well, or the apples and the other manufacturers uh, who are dealing with uh, with supply disruptions here, with production I- disruptions. Although Kirby did say yesterday that as far as the White House is concerned, there is no major interruption in supply chains yet. Of course, that could change, and that's a different conversation. And speaking of supply chains, how about this dispute ongoing between uh, rail workers and the freight rail companies? There's a deadline coming up, Joe. That's right. It's the 9th of December, and I do, you know, I really encourage people to consider this. Can you imagine a rail strike happening right 
before Christmas. That's what we would be talking about here. Uh, and it would completely upend the supply chain and the national economy. When you consider 300 trailer trucks for one train, that's how this works out. Uh, there was an agreement back in September. The White House took a victory lap on this. Marty Walsh put in dozens of hours. Remember, they were bringing in Italian food in the middle of the night. Oh, yeah, People right. were getting along. This agreement, though, it, it, it was not embraced by all of the unions, more than a dozen of them. It does not include sick leave. That's a big deal. And one of the four unions that voted down uh, that proposed agreement says it will oppose any legislation that does not include paid sick days. So we're going to have to see what happens with Congress. But you're right. Joe Biden, who claims to be the most labor-friendly president in the history of America, out with a statement last night telling Congress to get involved here. They should immediately codify the agreement that he helped to put together in September that I mentioned here. And Nancy Pelosi is uh, preparing to take action here. It's unclear exactly what the votes will be and whether the Senate is going to be prepared to move that quickly. Uh, But they don't have a lot of time, Nathan. Is that idea that uh, President Biden wants to be seen as the most pro-union president ever sort of been what's keeping him from asking Congress to intervene up to now? It's a good question. Look, I think they really wanted to just get this done on their own. You know, they had a deal. He thought that he had gone gotten beyond this. Uh, he dispatched his labor secretary, his commerce secretary. He even called in himself. Remember, they got a call from from Joe Biden in the middle of uh, these negotiations. Uh, so I think the idea was that, hey, we're capable of doing this. But when you start going into the, the holiday season here, potentially into the new year with a strike, that's not acceptable to the White House. It's not acceptable to the uh, the rail companies either. And I have to admit, you know, you there's a lot to be concerned about here when it comes to sick leave. You should not be fired uh, for going to the doctor. But most people would not accept the results of a rail strike. It would bring the economy to a halt. Yeah. All right. Let's turn to another political story this morning. Uh, there still seem to be a lot of questions uh, for Republicans about that dinner between oh, former President Trump and the uh, white nationalist. And now uh, former Vice President Mike Pence is being asked about it as well. Yeah, boy, he's doing a lot of interviews uh, lately, and he did. Yeah. Uh, he did talk about this. Has been, you know, there's been a noted lack of of high-ranking Republicans denouncing this dinner with Nick Fuentes and Kanye or Yay or whatever you call him. Kevin McCarthy has been very quiet. Uh, and this is the man who wants to hold the gavel in the House. So Mike Pence is probably the most prominent Republican to criticize Trump here. Um, he he also said he does not believe that Donald Trump is is anti-Semitic, racist, or a bigot. So. You know, at this point, it's it's difficult for a lot of people to swallow. He was talking to what is it, News Nation? By the right. Way. Is that this, there's too many networks. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. you know, there's always a but with Mike Pence. The president was wrong about the 2020 election, but it was the honor of my life to serve in the Trump administration. Trump encouraged a mob to kill me, but Donald Trump and I were great friends until then. It just takes a bit of a punch out of the statement here for him to say yes, Donald Trump should he was wrong, he should apologize. Uh, but but I don't think he's an anti-Semite or a racist. It, it just sort of it makes it a little bit difficult to take the whole statement. Yeah. Uh, just 30 seconds left here, Joe. Is that same-sex marriage bill going to get passed in the Senate today? Gosh, it sure looks like it. Uh, 6135 last night, they move ahead with uh, with an amendment. Uh, and, and, yes, they have a couple of amendments to get through. Mike Lee, Marco Rubio, uh, James Lankford, they all have uh, amendments to the bill. But this would essentially replace... 
the Defense of Marriage Act from 1996. The House will have to come back around with changes on its own, but this is moving along, Nathan. All right, Bloomberg's Joe Matthew. Catch more of him tonight, 5 p.m. Wall Street time across Bloomberg Radio. Sound on. Get all the latest uh, from the nation's capital. Read more about these stories as well on uh, Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. And uh, whenever you're in Washington, just tune into Bloomberg 99.1, 105.7 FM HD2 to get all the latest from Bloomberg Radio. Joe said there are so many channels. As far as I'm concerned, there's only one, Bloomberg Radio. S&P futures right now up 11. Dow futures up 31. NASDAQ futures up 55 points. Ten-year treasuries up 6.30 seconds. The yield 3.65%. Yield on the two-year just about 4.43%. NYMEX crude's moving higher as well, up 2.6% at 79.25 a barrel. Bloomberg Surveillance is next with uh, Jonathan Farrow and Lisa Abramowitz. For Karen Moscow, I'm Nathan Hager. This is Bloomberg. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.